Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase, Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at yegfitness. From the very first episode of the Lifestyle Chase, I've really valued how much I get from just listening to other people. And sometimes I talk too much. And so in this episode, I tried to listen more. And I still talked a lot. But I learned a lot from Kende. And I think that you should listen to this because it was really cool to hear about her experience in life so far. And some of the things that she's done in order to feel empowered and to feel joy and to live life to the fullest. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode 126 of the Lifestyle Choice Lifestyle Chase. That's the first time I've ever messed up the title of the episode, but we're going to keep rolling. I am joined today by Kende Andrian. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Like I said earlier, I'm honored to be here. Um, I think what you're carving out in this space is very important and uh, it's vital that you're giving us a space to talk, um, not only about fitness, but about wellness. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for those kind words. Um, often at the start of the episode, I like to, to set the tone and kind of figure out where my guest is at in their day, what's been going on, what's happening, how they're feeling. And so give me a bit of a, an idea of like, how do you feel today? What's happening for you? Um, today, I feel great. I feel liberated. Um, I feel inspired. It's a, a huge contrast of what I felt the last couple of days. And I'm pretty sure your audience and you, you know, you're aware of like what's going on in our country right now with uh, police brutality, racial injustice, and the conversation that's being had around that. Um, you know, my days have not been great, but today I think I woke up reinvigorated. I woke up more positive. I woke up more inspired. Um, and I woke up ready to not only keep fighting for it, for racial injustice, but to also show up for my clients. Um, so today is a great day. <laughs> How do you start off your days? What's What's your secret to success for starting off a good day? Um, for me... I like to start my day by making a smoothie. I make a green smoothie. It's sort of like my self-care practice. It's me taking that time to take care of my body and nourish my body. Um, so I do that. Um, I do my skincare. I'm a woman and skincare is vital <laughs> to me. So that's also a self-care component that I incorporate when I start my day. So a green smoothie a skincare routine. Um, that's about, that's really, that's really, really it. <laughs> I like that. It's simple. It's sustainable. Um, so to give my listeners or watchers some backstory to you, I want to know like, what, what is your description as you are as a professional, as a human being, just like, 
How do you describe yourself? What are the things about you that you're the most proud of? Um, I would say one of the things that I'm most proud of is my adaptability. Um, I moved here at a young age from Africa, um, West Africa, Nigeria. Um, I moved here at the age of 12 and I've been through a lot of cultural, a lot of identity, a lot of social structural changes, um, just, you know, restructure myself in a new environment outside of what I've known. And my resilience and the fact that I'm able to adapt to this new change in environment that just kind of seems like alien to what I'm used to. I'm really proud of that. I really am. Um, and I think that's also aided me with starting my own business, leaving the corporate world, um, taking risks um, with an industry that's highly dominated by, by males, you know, being able to sort of like live my fashion retail job and like diving into the fitness industry. It's a huge risk as a woman as well. So I think my resiliency and being able to just sort of adapt um, has been one of the best things I would say that I'm proud of. Well, I think that's a really positive skill to have during times like this. Like the year 2020 has been unlike anything I could have ever imagined for one year. Like I'm yeah. ready to just uh, turn off the year 2020, move on to 2021, but we can't necessarily do that. We have to uh, show up to our day with our best and a word that you used that really got me thinking was you used the word like invigorate. Um, I want to know, like, what what are the tools in your toolbox for invigorating yourself and invigorating the people around you and in, in your life? Um, for me is really just tapping into my center, really tapping into things outside of fitness that inspires me. So for people who don't know me, I'm a huge plant mother. I have so many plants um, because it centers me. You know, it's like there's something really cathartic about growing, growing plants in your home, caring for them, misting them, watering them, soil changing. Um, and the atmosphere that's creating your environment, it just sort of sets the stage for everything else in your life. You know, it's the emphasis of me waking up and feeling so invigorated. I mean, I'm like with nature when I wake up. So plant caring, caring for my plants is one thing that I do. Um, I'm not really good at meditating, but I'm starting to incorporate it. Um, I remember years ago when I was going through a very hard time in my life, uh, meditating was also solace that helped me go through it and I'm starting to adopt it again. And I'm realizing, oh my God, it's so good. Why did I stop it? So um, I'm trying to be more consistent with meditating. I would say those are the two practices that re re really invigorates me, like caring for my plants and adopting little meditational tools here and there throughout my day. And then when it comes to like clients or friends and family, like something works for you, but do you ever... Uh, find success in in trying to help others through the things that have helped you or do you have to almost like figure them out like learn more about them in order to to help them like just share some of your experiences along those lines with me if you can 
with my clients? Yeah, well, clients are just anybody, anybody just that you spend time with day to day. I would say an example would be my twin sister. Um, I have a twin sister that I live with. And um, with the COVID, obviously, she's battling, trying to find ways to find joy. Little pockets of joy in this moment. Um, and she's, you know, she's currently unemployed. And I think I try, I don't try to force like what makes me happy. I try to understand her, you know, like, okay, like, so what do you like to do? You know, what makes you happy? What brings you joy? And I just let her speak. I listen to her. I ask those questions. I lead her. It's almost like guiding her into finding her way. And then she sort of finds her path and she goes, oh, this is what I enjoy. This is what I like to do. And she adopts it. So I think it's me just allowing people to just speak. And through their speaking, they sort of illuminate their own path. And they kind of figure out, you know, what the answer is just by speaking. And I just listen, basically. Yeah, I that answer was awesome. Um, it got me curious. You talked about plants. What else, aside from plants, <laughs> brings you joy? Like, you're in the fitness space. Um, you're you're doing all kinds of cool things. What of those things really stands out in your life that brings you joy? Uh, within the fitness space, any anything in your life, but seeing as how like you do occupy a, a pretty good space, and like I've seen your name come up in several different fitness professionals' feeds, and so Amazing. fitness would be a, a big component of your life. And so I hope that some of it brings you joy, but you can speak to anything that you want. It it certainly does. Oh, traveling. I don't even know why I forgot traveling. Oh my God. Traveling is also a big component of my joy. And it's not a method of escapism. It's a method of enrichment. Like I'm trying to experience as much life as I can, as much diversity as I can. So I love to travel. Um, and working out really does bring me joy. I, I like when I started the fitness industry, you know, I was very skinny. And the reason why I got into it, not professionally, just like before I even looked at it on the professional side was because I wanted to gain weight. I wanted to put a muscle. I was like just very frail and thin. And I felt like I did not look like a woman. So I was like, I need to feel strong. I need to just feel empowered as a woman. And, but now it's changed for me. It just brings, it makes me happy. Like when I move, when I work out, I just feel those endorphins make me feel so good. So yes, of course, working out and fitness are part of like, you know, things like bring me joy, but I would say the top two are like my plants and traveling. <laughs> when, when you talk about like, seeking out diversity and traveling that's something that I can really relate to I've like learned the most about myself being the furthest away from things that are normal to me um what's your experience been like with with your travels and like can you think of a time when uh things just kind of like you were out of your comfort zone but you learned a whole bunch that you didn't expect to learn mm. I would say it wasn't, I think, when did I go to Cuba? I did a solo trip to Cuba in, I believe it was 2017. Um, I've always traveled with my twin sister and I've always wanted to visit Cuba. Cuba was very interesting. Um, the history is so 
you know, it's, it's so dense, it's rich. Um, so I wanted to go to Cuba and I wanted to experience it firsthand, but no one wanted to go with me. So I took the risk and I said, you know what, I'm going to go alone. And prior to going to Cuba, I learned, I tried to learn as much as I can about Cuba and just going in Cuba and visiting these lawn landmarks that I learned about, it was like such an eye-opening experience and a level of like liberation I felt. We went to um, uh, Chavez's house and I was like, oh my God, I know the history behind this man. I'm in his house. I'm sitting on his bed. So that just, I just felt so connected to it. And Cuba is amazing. It changed my life. The people there are amazing. They're so sweet. Um, it's a beautiful country and I definitely want to go back. And I recommend anyone who has any, any reservations to please go, to please go to Cuba. <laughs> this podcast <laughs> was sponsored by Cuba. Just kidding. <laughs> Cuba, do you hear me? Listen, <laughs> sponsor your girl. <laughs> So you talked about pivoting in life and in your career and you sound, it sounds like you're very good at it. And so I want to like learn something from you on pivoting. So that means we're going to need to talk about one of your toughest examples of pivoting, what maybe your doubts were going into it and what you did to overcome those doubts and succeed in the end. Um, I would, I would get, I would use current times. Actually, no, let me not use current times. I, I want to be very transparent and authentic. So I'm going to share something that I've only shared with my first podcast. Um, okay. So when I started the Finnish industry professionally, I worked for Equinox. Okay. I used to work in the fashion industry. I was a manager for Helmut Lang and Theory. I was there for over 10 years, but then I realized I don't want to do fashion anymore. I want to be part of the fitness industry. I was a member at Equinox and I went to the manager and I said, I am looking to change careers and I want to be a trainer here. He looked at me and said, welcome aboard. We've been waiting for you. So I pretty much, I was there every single day. I knew every trainer there. So they kind of knew me as a member. Um, when I started, I loved it. As I got into it, I realized the corporate fitness space was not for me, particularly Equinox. Um, I didn't like their strategies. I didn't like the managerial tactics. Um, I felt stifled. I felt robbed. And I'm also not someone that takes like very dictative orders lightly. I am not someone who would ingratiate myself easily. I'm not saying I'm against policy or authority, but working in a corporate environment for Equinox, I felt like a kid. You know, I didn't feel I had the autonomy to be my own person, to make my own decisions. I was micromanaged and I don't like that. Long story short, I got fired because I voiced myself too much. I spoke up for myself and I got let go. This was only six months into my career at Equinox. So you can imagine I have not galvanized as much of a clientele to help me, to propel me into the independent space. Um, <laughs> 
I just, I just hit the ground running. I said, okay, they let me go. I reached out to my clients. I, I was very transparent about what happened. Um, I got an LLC. I tried to look for spaces. Um, and I only had three clients who came with me. And um, I started working for independent boutique gyms um, to build up my clientele again. And it just, I don't know, I just... I just kept going. I just kept going. I remember a trainer was like, oh my God, you're not just going to slow down and reflect and you're not sad. I said, no. I said, this is a sign. This is an omen. I am going to take this stride and run with it. So I just pivoted. I don't know. I, I Again, I think it, it goes back into me coming here from Africa at a, at a young age. I had no choice but to adapt. And that's how I see things. I see them as opportunities. I don't see it as um, a barrier, you know. And I've been happy ever since. <laughs> I'm happy I took the leap. And um, I mean, I guess there's there's a silver lining in being fired. And there's a blessing in that because I'm able to run my own business um, the way I want it. I'm able to invite people into my spaces, um, you know, so... It, you just have to you just have to go for it honestly you just have to go for it yeah well i mean that's something i totally like in my own way i can understand how you can be in environments that uh take you away from who you intend to be they can uh draw away from some of your core values it can make you almost like make yourself smaller and if there's anything that i promote it's like being the the biggest best version of yourself that you can be. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. you you've spoken about your your move from Africa. Like tell me a bit more about that. Tell me the story of like how it how it happened, what it was like, whatever you've got. Mm-hmm. Um so I was I grew up in Africa for 12 years, but I was actually born in Brooklyn, New York. So my mother was an entrepreneur. She she owned like a mini um, department store in Nigeria. So she was a very savvy traveler. You know, to, she wanted to travel often to import goods for her stores back in Nigeria. So it so happened that we were born here because she was here on a business trip, and all of a sudden, hey, the twins are ready to come out. So she gave <laughs> she gave birth to us in New York, um, Brooklyn. And after we were premature babies. So after we were like released from the hospital, we went back to Africa and I grew up in Africa for 12 years. I loved um, growing up in Africa. I love my schools. I love the food. I miss the culture. And I know people always ask me like, was it any different? Like moving from Africa to here? I was like, no, it's the same. It is the same. I grew up in Lagos, a Papa Lagos. So it's very modernized. Um, so moving to America wasn't like a huge cultural shock. I was like, oh, I know this. I mean, it's very similar to what I grew up with. Um, so we moved here because the economy was tanking. My mother could not sustain her business anymore. And she knew that we were American citizens. We had dual citizenship. So we moved here with... Um, my uncle who are in the Central Valley. I don't know if you've heard of the Central Valley. I don't know if you've heard of Sacramento, Modesto, but we grew up in a very, <laughs> we moved to a very small quaint town called Atwater. The boonies, the boonies. And I'm a city girl. I mean, Lagos is the city. It's a, it's a bustling, busy city. So to move out of Lagos to a very small farm town, 
whew, I was, it just, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work for me. Um, but that move was only supposed to be short term. But my mother just never got back on her feet. Um, to this day, it's been a constant struggle for her to find her way back. And it just became a permanent residency for us. And um, I moved from Atwater to San Francisco. I went to college in San Francisco State. And then I moved to New York back in 2010. That's awesome. Like, I really like um, just the honesty in just how it wasn't really that different. But I mean, like, you still had to move around and experience different experiences out of everywhere that you've lived in the US. Like, what, what's a moment that stands out to you and why? And you can like pick any moment that you want. I think a moment for me is living in Atwater. Like I said, it was a very quaint, small town. And I think for the first time in my life, I recognized my color as a black woman. That was not a language that I used growing up in Africa. In Nigeria, I was, my mother fully integrated us. My best friend was from the Philippines. My twin sister's friend was, uh, best friend was from China. We had a, we went to a fully integrated school. So for me, I never recognized myself as a minority, which I don't even like saying the word minority. But when I was growing up in Atwater, that was the first time I recognized, oh, oh, my skin color, it's different out here. You know, then I started to learn about racism, discrimination and all of that. But I think moving to America in a very insulated small town, I just, I was like, oh, I'm a black woman in America. That means something very different. That has very different um, connotations and it's going to influence my social, economic and political space and how I take space in this world. So that was a very mom a moment of awakening for me. During that time, did you have role models that you looked up to? Like, I know that some people when they're, when they're young, they'll just have somebody that they think I want to be just like them one day, or maybe in the career space, like in the fitness space, we all have our, our list of mentors. Um, whether it's at a young age or now, do you, do you have people that you can think of that would be your role models? My grandmother, my late grandmother, um, she was fearless. She was also selfless. Um, she was so sweet, so tender again. And she's also been through a lot of turmoil. And I watched her during her years with us just being able to be happy. Like, I'm like, how is this woman finding happy moments, you know, when her life is not really the way she wants it to be? Um, so I think that was a strong part of my upbringing and someone that I still look up to to this day in terms of like who I want to be, um, certain characteristics that I want to, you know, that, that I want to adopt. Um, it's my grandmother. That's a perfect answer. I'm curious, did she like plants as well? Like, did, is that where you got your love for plants? <laughs> No, God, my grandma, if she was alive today, she'd be like shaking her head like, what? No, my love for plants started when I went to Tulum. 
when I went to Tulum, Mexico, I, my first time in 2016, um, I don't know, Tulum just, it's an experience that I, I can't even encapsulate in words, but I knew that I wanted to take those feelings back with me to New York. And I'm like, how can I replicate that experience? I'm like, oh, plants. I was in the jungle. I was literally with so many plants in Tulum. So I said, oh, let's let's create that space. Let's create that atmosphere. So that was that really spearheaded my love for plants. When you spoke about your your grandmother, you talked about how she found ways to be happy. Were you able to, ever able to kind of like learn her ways to be happy or or learn little secrets that she kind of maybe passed on? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, grandma was always like, you know, you sweat it, sweat the small stuff, sweat the big stuff. But once you sweat it, you're done with it. You move on. You unpack it. If you need to be there for two days, three days, sit with it. But once you're done unpacking, you move on. Um, We can't keep, you can't walk around with that burden, that load. You got to unpack it, deal with it, recognize it, and figure out, okay, how can I find happy in this? How can I change my perspective? It's, it's, you know, she said, it's really all about how you think about your experiences. Sometimes what happens in our lives, it's more so of our internal dialogue, you know, that's creating this turmoil. Um, and even if it's not, you still recognize it. You still sit with those feelings, but then you realize, okay, I've unpacked it. What can I do going forward? How can I find little happy moments in this turmoil? So, and she was she was always good at that. That's uh... I didn't really. So, as I got older, because at a young age, I'm like, Grandma, you're crazy. Like, how can you be happy right now? This is not okay. You know, I was very fiery as at a young child. And then she would just shake her head and said, oh, you, you are your mother's daughter. Because my mother is the same way. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, when, when you talked about like uh, kind of being in that situation and then moving past that situation or just like the, the self-talk all of those little things that it takes to, to kind of keep, keep moving forward. Um, that is something that I truly believe that a lot of people struggle with. Um, a lot of people at all different times in their career. Um, and some of us openly talk about it on podcasts. Some of us don't. I can tell you for a fact that like in, in my own life, there's tons of times when like my self dialogue is horrendous. And even as a trainer, even as a podcast host. And so I want to pick your brain. Um, I can only imagine how much stuff goes through your head. Um, What is it that makes you such a resilient person? Because from what I know of you, you're very resilient. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say thought patterns, reconditioning, reconditioning my thought patterns and, um, I have inherited a lot of negative self-talk through my upbringing, you know, just growing up in Nigeria. My mother is a lovely woman. The culture is different when it comes to like disciplinary actions. It's tough. It's a lot of denigration. It's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of put downs. So as a child, 
when you you when you're inundated with those messages, they become your self identity. They become your voice. So I really had to recondition the way I identified with myself because a lot of it was my mother's voice. A lot of it was my uncle's voice, the one I you know moved in with when it, when I moved to Africa. Um, you know, Nigerians or you know they use you know like physical um, disciplinary actions, and that's something that I endured as well as a child. So I had to just recondition um, what was classified as normal for me, and just say like like when I get triggered with certain things and I start to see myself relating to those like narratives that I heard my mother say to me, I'm like, no, 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 that is not you. That is not you. That's not who you are, Candy. So I think it's also conditioning your nervous system. Like when you, when you get triggered in that moment, how can I change this narrative? So a lot of it was just unlearning what I learned, uh, the messages I received growing up as a child. That's got to be one of the toughest things to do because like, yeah, I mean, there's tons of things that I try to learn and then I fall back into my old patterns, like things from high school, things from just environment. Um, do you have like a support system or like a group of people? What is it that kind of, what's your safety net? What's, what's your, uh, your warm hug in this crazy, crazy world? My twin, my twin sister, because she's someone that has been through it with me. You know, she's been there with, you know, the abuse, the emotional, the physical abuse I endured. She experiences it. So to have someone who's lived it, it's like, it's different. You're able to connect. You're able to destruct and talk about it. So she's been my safe haven in destructing these thought patterns um and just having someone like really understand me because she's like I went through that with you I really really I could empathize you know there's a difference between sympathy and empathy and to find someone who can really give you that empathy I mean it's like the best in this world so my twin sister has been my everything she's been my rock and that's my safe haven (laughs) my big teddy bear Well, I mean, everybody, everybody needs to have like a big teddy bear in the world. And whether that be a trainer that's listening to this, that is uh, going through some self-discovery or just a general human being, whether like we we need friends that we can just be like, hey, this is what's up. I hope that you understand what it's like to go through this or just someone to be there to listen. And absolutely. with with having with having said that, um, when it comes to your training, like which which certifications that you chose, all of that stuff, like what is your why behind uh, why you train a certain way, why you choose certain certifications, and etc. Um, so I base my choices and certifications based on like, okay, how is this going to benefit? my clients. You know, I have a specific group of clients. How is this going to benefit them? Because at the end of the day, I'm not just trying to take a bunch of search just because I want to be like, oh, I know this and that and third. 
but how is how are these certifications giving me actual actualized plans to put into action that's going to benefit my demographic? So I try not to get caught up in, oh my God, you got to take this, 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 this. No, I need to know like, okay, is this going to benefit my my clients? Um, and my training style, again, it's all about the client experience and their outcomes. You know, I remember I really also had to deconstruct some philosophies I learned at Equinox. A lot of them don't work. You know, clients are not robots. And I think what the, the huge missing components, it's not even about, oh my God, we need to get more certs. We need to understand our clients better. We need to develop the emotional languages that would trigger our clients, produce certain outcomes we're looking for. It's not about learning more programming. It's not about that. Like what makes them click? Like how can you connect with them on an emotional level? And if you could do that, oh my God, you can do what anything else. But that's a big component that's missing from the industry is like emotional intelligence when it comes to the fitness environment. No, we don't really have that. And I think a, a lot of people, a lot of courses, the way they speak, they talk to clients as if they're robots. You're dealing with human beings. They have real emotions. They're not robots. And they have different value systems. So you can't impose your value system on theirs. You need to get to know them better and figure out what makes them click. I completely so that's, agree. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, you're basically describing my entire philosophy to training. I am just such a, like, I don't know if I would describe myself as a softy or emotional or whatever, but it's just like you got to get to know the people that you're with you've got to prioritize their values in in what you do it's like is not so much what the shortened form of that certification looks like in your instagram bio it's a lot more so in how big of an impact you can genuinely have in the betterment of the people's mm -hmm. lives that want to be with you like are you going Absolutely. to help them find joy or are you going to take that joy away from them? And are you going to allow them to be at their best in the bodies that they are in? Or are you going to make them feel like their bodies are broken? And I would never want anybody to feel like their bodies are broken. And so I got to figure out how their bodies work and meet their body where their body is at. You know what language that I had to like stop using um was and language matters because when i was in equinox you know you do the fms you screen process and they push the language of dysfunctional moving patterns and i'm like no 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 one wants to hear that no one wants to hear oh you have a dysfunctional moving no like that word i had to take that out of my vocabulary because a client pulled me aside and said hey i understand you have to do to do this as a protocol but that language is dangerous. It doesn't motivate me. I feel, I don't feel inspired. Um, I feel, I feel low. I don't feel good about myself. And she says, I would consider changing the language dysfunctional. And that clicked. I was like, oh, so we need to be very, very, we need to, you know, pay attention to languages we're using. I know it's like, oh, we want to use languages, this little cute sound bites to make clients like um, feel like, oh my God, oh my God, I have a dysfunction, so fix me, fix me. No, 
You don't need to just incite emotional like chaos just because you want to close a cell. You don't need to do that. And that was a big awakening for me when she called me out. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to be careful about what languages I'm using. Well, I mean, it's so true because we reflected on like the impact of different different words that have been spoken to you. And I can relate to my own ways, but we're talking about you and your life experiences. And like words are very powerful. Like all of a sudden it can rewrite a lot of things in our life years, years later. Um, with the topic of empowerment, because it came up a few times earlier on and it really got me thinking like empowerment looks different for everybody. But to learn how one person feels empowered can be empowering for many others. Um, aside from anything that we've already brought up, I'm going to challenge you to think of five times that you've felt empowered and why. Five times I felt empowered and why. Um, I would say one that we didn't touch on is this current crisis. Um, just being able to pivot my business and take it virtually. Um, that was empowering. Like I said, it's, you know, just really, really adapting and just going for it. Um, I think so quite often we limit our progress by asking too much questions, creating too much roadblocks. So I'm like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like the more you get in it, the tunnel illuminates itself. So just go for it. Don't say, oh, but what if, um, but what if, no, there's no what ifs is I'm going to do it. <laughs> Let's do it. You know, so that that's been empowering for me. Um, ah, what other moment do I, it's really hard to track back my lineage of experiences. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm going to have to really think about that one. <laughs> no worries, no worries. I mean, if a story comes up, you can just chime in and share. But I, I think just like uh, gratitude, like gratitude is something that I've had to practice so often. Um, and also just like realize, well, not realizing, but just reflecting, reflecting on times when, when we felt strong and reflecting on times mm. when we've overcome the odds. And because there's going to be so many people that are going to listen to this and need to hear some of the things that you say. Um, the number oh. of the the number of people that I've I've interviewed where it's like, okay, who do you look up to? And then they're like thinking they're they're racking their brain. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. and it's just like so. The world needs more people to look up to. The world needs more people to show them how to feel empowered. To remind them that small things like like plants make a big difference. And you were saying that you just thought of something. So like, go for it. Um, so, you know, prior to COVID, I was very nervous about putting myself in the social media space. Like I would engage on my social media platform, but very sparingly. And the fact that I'm able to show up consistently and not be in fear anymore, that makes me feel empowered because I'm putting myself out there. I'm creating visibility for my brand. I don't care anymore. I don't care about criticism. I don't care about trainers, you know, who don't consider social media as a huge marketing vehicle for the business. They look down on it. 
I don't care if they're going to judge me. I just don't care anymore. So the fact that I'm able to pivot my business in the online space and show show up consistent consistently authentic to who I am and not fear uh, backlash, that's empowering. And I, I, I'm telling everyone out there, just show up. Just show up because don't worry. Like a lot of trainers, I feel like are trying too hard to impress other trainers. You don't need to impress them. They're not your consumers. Your consumers and audiences are out there and they really want to hear from you. The, the market is not saturated. You just do room for you. So create create your room and take up space. You know, who cares what they think? Like, they're not paying your bills. <laughs> These aren't the people that are going to buy your products, especially if your business is, is catered to the um, the general, like, demographic. No, it's so just so show up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, with, with that being said, you, you talk about just showing up, just, just being yourself. Um, quite often I ask people about their, their core values, the things that make them who they are, the things that show up consistently, no matter what goes on in life. Um, and the things that you would never stray away from. What are, what are your core values? My core values are honesty within yourself not with anyone else, but with yourself. And I'm talking about honesty in ways of saying yes to things you wanna say yes to, not just because you're saying yes to someone else. So be authentic and honest with yourself to understand positions you're putting yourself in are where you wanna be, not just because you wanna impress someone or you wanna get a specific kind of recognition, just be honest with yourself in that capacity and how you're showing up in spaces. Is that it for, for your core values? Like, I like that one, but I'm curious, do you have any others? <laughs> um, I would say a, another big core value is, um, I don't know if this could be a considered a core value, uh, um, internal dialogue, self-talk. You know, because that could really affect how we show up too. Yeah. And like like I said, again, finding happy in moments that, you know, I'm not happy. And I know it's hard. I'm not saying, oh, we shouldn't experience pain. We should just love, live life, everything. I'm not saying that. It's just, you can unpack, you can unpack in that sadness, but then pack it up and find your happy and find an opportunity within that. Like, okay, what can I gain from this? And what is this trying to tell me? Um, what else? What else can I add to that list? Did I, I'm racking my brain to figure out what else I can add to rack to that, that list. I mean, that's a great uh, list. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just being honest with ourselves um, and just being careful in how we show up for ourselves, having more empathy with, with ourselves. So when, when you speak about all that stuff and the internal dialogue and the, the being honest with ourself, um, does any of that transfer over to like your, your physical wellness, your, your strength? Have you ever had a workout that, uh, 
made you feel way, way stronger or way more empowered than any other workout? Uh, when I, I just love, I love deadlifting. I love squatting. Anything with barbells, I love. Um, there's something cathodic about just lifting something heavy up the floor. Um, especially for a woman like me, I'm just, you know, I have a very skinny physique. So to be able to like lift heavy and pull things off the floor is amazing. I've had people say, oh my God, it looks so small. Or, it looks so fragile, but you can pick that up. I'm like, yeah, I can. Yeah, I just did. <laughs> so it's, it feels good. It feels good. Well, with the, with the gyms mostly being closed around the world, I mean, some of them are opening up back now. Like, uh, what, what did you do to achieve that same feeling during COVID? Um, I'm still lifting weights, um, just using kettlebells Yeah. and so discovering the power of my own body weight, which is, it's been humbling uh, and amazing because I'm able to do things within my own body weight that I couldn't do before. And I think, uh, like once it's over and then we start to kind of transition back into, into the gym, I want to do both. I like, I like the balance. I like the variability. Um, cause I'm not just one to follow a linear structure for a long time. Four weeks is the max for me, unless I'm just like, okay, I'm bored. Let's do something. Uh, but being able to move my body my body weight in ways I've never achieved before is it's amazing. It's very liberating. Well, I find with fitness, um, the things that I value is when we realize that there's things that we can do that we already have, like we have everything that we need to find success in a thing with just body weight. We tend mm-hmm. to apply that like psychologically out into the real world. We start to realize, Oh wow. Like I can actually like, be the change that I want to see in the world. Like I can actually be influential. Like there's tons of times like going into this whole, like just everything that's going on in the world. I would often think to myself, my inner dialogue was like, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I do. Nobody's listening. And I don't quite think that's true. I think some people are listening. So when you talked about internal dialogue, I, that just struck a chord with me. Like I was like, yeah, like I need to get me some plants. I need to up my, my self-talk, like people are listening. And then I think if we equip other people to do that too, if we give other people the tools to, to get back on their feet and to believe in themselves and to feel strong and to have the potential within what they already have, then we, we can really make an impact just as, as a whole. Um, the next question that I have for you is if you could give one piece of advice on how to live your life in the most like whole way in, in a way that feels the most fulfilling and the most abundant, what would that piece of advice be? I would say you're not going to find it in a book. You're not going to find it with me. You're not going to find it with anyone but you. Um, Because quite often people are trying to find their own internal happy through the experiences and achievements of other people. It doesn't work. That worked for them. You could read up on it. You could take it as a, okay, this is what they did. 
and incorporate incorporate it loosely into your self-development towards yourself happy, but it's always going to come from you. And one thing I tell people is you already know the answer. It's already there. We're looking for something esoteric. We're looking for something out of this world. It's It doesn't have to be that dramatic. It's like right there in front of you. So if it's plant shopping, if it's getting coffee, if it's, I don't know, waking up at 5 a.m. to do yoga, let it be. Don't complicate it. Don't. <laughs> well, I mean, that's such tangible advice. It's something people can really work with. So at the end of every episode, I give my audience a challenge. But today, I'm not going to give my audience a challenge. You're going to give my audience a challenge. So I need oh, you to start it off by being like, your challenge for today's episode is, and just put it out there. Okay. Your challenge for today's episode is find your inner happy. <laughs> I love that. That is perfect. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so good getting to know you. You too. This was fun. This was amazing. I love your energy. I love your presence. You make me feel very comfortable. I feel like I've known you before. Um, and I was looking forward to this and I'm blown away by how authentic this was and free. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.